0: I need to get below the surface. People up there, they get me nervous. Deeper. I want to go
1: deeper. All righty, it's time for another Root Issues podcast. And wow, the booth is full today. You know, max you're, capacity. Well, well, yeah, we're at max capacity. I mean, we had we're to kick. Mics. We're sharing mics. Yeah. We had to go steal headphones from the sound booth and the sanctuary, and that is awesome. And so, you probably think I'm going to say Steve and Alyssa, but they are not here. No, no, we're bringing in the All Star team. Wow! Wow, I know, I know, you should be, you should be. So I'm Chris, and welcome to Root Issues. It's time for another midweek jolt. I feel like I've been gone forever on vacation and summer camps and such, but things are settling down, and we're shutting down summer and moving into school year. But I'm here today with Luke. Yes, sir, as always. And I'm here with Jeff. Shout out. And I'm here with Lexa. Hello. And Lauren.
0: What's up, everybody?
1: And those last three are our first three interns to cross the finish line and make it to Aspen. They are all graduates and connected somehow to Baylor University. What's the, worst, what's, what, what's the song for Baylor?
0: That good Ooh. old
2: Baylor line. No, 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 that's good enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sick of
3: bears. Sick of bears. Sick of bears. Sick of bears. It's more okay. of a chant. It's a little flat. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's not a little it's flat. Not it's not a so to hype everybody up. It's we more of a right. tradition. We're normally trained, but we do have a lot of spirit. So. That's right. There you
1: go. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, they have. Joined us, and they're here on a year long internship. It could go longer. Who knows? But anyway, we're going to be jumping in and kind of looking at the three lessons that Steve brought us this Sunday on lessons from the kings, understanding freedom and our responsibility. And this week's title, we're going to be focusing on Are we fighting for faith? and we're going to be looking at First Kings 15, 9-24, and 2 Chronicles 14-16. through 16. We're going to be kind of jumping in there. Now, the way Steve's been bringing these lessons from the kings is he's been bringing them to us in individual lessons, and so we are all the way on Lesson 19. So if you need to jump back and check out some of the um, YouTube of the teaching, also if you want to Zoom back to some of the root issues. I think we've made them all. We might have missed one or two. Summer gets a little
3: crazy. Yeah, we missed like two in a row.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've had times where I thought, like, well, I'll just cue it up on my phone, and it's just me talking, but that's not really a podcast. We
3: but. love your voice. I mean, but I this know. discussion is nice.
1: I think I did that once. I just sat in here by myself and queued it up. Nice. But I work alone, and I don't collaborate with anybody, so often I talk to myself.
4: The Love Wolf Podcast.
1: All right, so are we fighting for faith? So let's just start there. Like, what's y'all's intake yeah. from th- the title?
4: I think a kind of a really cool thing that was said was faith isn't genuine till tested. Yeah, and that's so cool. I think the church claims to have faith. A lot of people claim to have faith, but have they gone out and tested it? Mm -hmm. Because I think, like, obviously there's situations that happen in our life where it's tested. Yeah. But I think stepping out into faith is where we test, like, where we're putting it to the test ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, just as you would put yourself to the test skiing, you're not just going to get better at it by sitting there. You're going to go out and try to do things. And so same with faith. Like, are we going out there and testing our faith? I think that's a big... Thing that a lot of people are too scared of doing, um, and we'll probably get
1: into that later. But Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you think about it like, you know, when you think about faith and you just think about, like, how is it internalized in you? What is your test? How do you test faith? I mean, what else do y'all think?
3: I think there's a difference between uh, intellectual belief and faith, okay. but I think we've equivocated those in society. I think there's a um, there's an element of faith that you have to believe that the skis are going to hold you, if I take your yeah. example there. Yeah. But if you're not going out and skiing, you're not placing faith in the skis. You can intellectually tell people, I believe that these skis mm-hmm. are strong enough that they're going to hold me and not snap if I ski yeah. on them. But if you're not using them there's 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 only you have you have faith yeah. but very limited and Personal. i think your faith grows through experience mm-hmm. but nor do we nor is faith from experience it's also yeah. it's 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 blessed by experience but faith is a gift so um yeah how do we test faith i think in the in the example of skiing you have to go ski yeah. in the case of is god good you can intellectually believe that but I think putting yourself in situations where you have to rely on his goodness, yes. uh, which usually means going to a place that you're not in your own strength mm-hmm. taking taking a step out of your comfort zone, I think then you get to actually practice faith put yeah. it into action yeah
0: I think a key there that I'm picking up is the intentionality mm-hmm. to actually step out and test your faith whatever that yeah. looks like if it's it's if it's an obedient step from the lord or if it's just something that you've been feeling that you need to step out in, i think it's mm-hmm. the intentionality to say okay i'm gonna find out if these skis really do hold me um i think that can be really powerful and it's yeah. a powerful distinction um when we choose to test it versus yeah. just
1: coasting oh yeah oh yeah
0: Yeah,
2: I think faith is, like, the highway from the head to the heart. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's how you, like, build the trust and the connection that God's going to, like, be there every time. And, like, I can be, like, God's going to save me, like, from this trial. But then it's, like, then it's, like, believing in the heart. So it's, like, how you, like, super— put it yeah. into your heart is through faith
1: yeah and i mean i think like jeff at that point of like this intellectual faith it's knowledge you know and there's a bunch of people who are just you know they they love the knowledge they love to eat it up and you know and then but it's like how do you take that knowledge and then apply it to the real world in the real life you know i mean for me it's like i mean it's like you know when i'm looking at my faith i mean it's like i almost immediately go to my god's promises Like a little God's promise book, you know. And so I'm like, where are his promises to me, and how do I apply those promises to areas in my life that are maybe faltering? And then standing on his word, standing on his promise, taking, like I've got one of my disciples, he's um, working on just, you know, memorization, like just memorize, 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 memorize. And now we're taking those verses, and I'm like, okay, now how do we apply that? How do we apply that verse? And so you got to have the knowledge, and then you can apply the faith. Now you can be totally just blindsided and have no knowledge but have a ton of faith and still excel. I mean you really could, and so when we look at this, like there is a fight for our faith, and so, you know, culture today, and I'm not like, you know, I don't want to like be a culture basher, but like, you know, walk outside in the world, and, you know, there are things that are like attacking our faith, trying to tear us down, trying to create us to be more dependent on other things, and, you know, would almost criticize us at times for the way we live. And so there is this fight for faith. I mean, I don't want to jump in and be like, oh, how did you handle the pandemic, and was it a test of your faith, and was that a test from God? But, you know, there are things that we can learn from our past experiences and say, hey, what could I do differently if I pulled more from my faith if I had to go through that again, you know?
2: Yeah.
4: I mean, looking at the culture now— Compared to when you were growing up, do you see a difference in people relying on their faith or versus their feelings? I mean, because obviously that was one of the big points is faith versus feelings. Yeah. And which one do we listen to? Yeah. Has there been a switch?
1: I mean, yeah, there's definitely a switch. I mean, like me, I'm the old man in the room. That's right. Oh my gosh. Where's my walker? Um, (laughs) I need one of my books. Um, I got one of those book racks on the front of my walker, but... No, like, yeah, like, there has been over the seasons. I'm not going to say that it was a healthy place where we were before because I think in a healthy place where we – you know, that would be like a good balance. I mean, I think there was a shoving and pushing down of emotions probably when I was growing up in the 60s, 70s and 80s, like, you know, through some of my more formative years that, you know, you hide it, you, you keep it inside. You don't talk about it. You don't share about it. You know, real men don't cry, you know, those types of things. And so now that we're moving to becoming in touch with our feelings, I feel like one of the things that I see and here's the kicker, you know, you're ready for the kicker. Give it to us. Okay, here's the kicker. Here's what I see has shifted. I see the culture going for, you know, trust your feelings, fall in your feelings, move in your feelings, and I see that coming after an explosion of freedom and worship for God. Okay. So think about it like this way. Like, there's this explosion of people are becoming free in their worship for God. We're seeing more and more worship bands. We're seeing more and more people turn to worship music. Let's, let's face it. I grew up with Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. Friends are friends forever. <laughs> we love them. The, yeah. I know we love them. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, it you know, it was like this contextualized music, but it wasn't like worship music. Like we weren't laying it down at the foot of God. And so now as the Christian community and the Christian movement moves into this freer sense of worship, then this counterfeit shows up like, Oh, we just have to be lived and follow our emotions. You know, like I felt like through this last wave of freedom and worship I've like felt a deeper connection with God. I felt more at peace with God, and I felt like I can lay down and just worship God, right? Mm -hmm. And I can have that community. But now the culture is saying, like, oh, oh, you know, follow your emotions, follow your feelings. And it's kind of like a wave following after this freedom in worship. But I could be totally wrong.
4: I mean, and you guys, like, coming from Baylor, obviously pretty Christian school in a sense. How have you guys seen the, like, and uh, from my perspective, I don't know if this is because I'm hanging out with more or like meeting more people that, you know, do have a genuine faith. But I've seen like a, a very big contrast between people that claim to have Jesus and live their life more in mediocrity and kind yeah, of, yeah, you yeah. know, lukewarm Christianity. But then the other side of strong, like diehard, you know, Jesus is the one. This is what I'm like commi- committing my life to. And you don't see too much of like that middle ground. I mean, people claim to be Christians, but, you know, that you can see that they're obviously living a different lifestyle. So has have you guys seen that? At Baylor, or just in your culture, and generation?
0: Yeah, I'd love to chime in. There was um, there's a man. his his name is Trey Green. He's awesome. He's part of the Antioch movement that we were a part of down in Waco, hmm. and he was describing it was it was really around the issue of lordship and full surrender to God. And he was saying that there used to be three options of like I either don't love God or I have one foot in and one foot out or I'm all in for Jesus. Yeah. I'm on fire for Jesus. And he was saying that recently what he's seen is that the Lord in his grace and mercy is eliminating the second option. Yeah. Really. And I feel like I've seen that to be true and and people can I think have faith and claim faith, especially in Christian cultures like Baylor. It's it's, yeah. it's Texas. It's the Bible Belt. Yeah. Um but I think I think it's different when you actually surrender to God. Um, I think we need to just disciple people into that because they don't know how to do that. Yeah. But I would say I think his assessment was really accurate in, in terms of I think there's really a you're in or you're out. Yeah. And people want to be in and they don't know how yet. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's what I've seen too.
4: Yeah. And I think the sad reality is, I mean, most people don't put their foot in the, well, the, they go the other way. And that has probably been the source of where our culture is at now. Yeah. As Steve said, you know, where the men kind of go, I mean, essentially that's kind of where the culture eventually follows. Or the mm-hmm. leader, I guess, is first. Yeah. So that's interesting.
1: No, and I mean, you know, as we look at that, it's like, you know, just are you in or are you out? You know, taking away that midpoint of riding the fence. I mean, I, I was a fence rider all my life until God grabbed me. And then I've learned, like through, as Steve would say, like through discipleship, I've learned how to fight for my faith. I've I've learned how to scratch and claw and say, no, this is mine, and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to I'm going to listen more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to spend more time in prayer. But faith is the staple. It's the foundation. You gotta build off of it, you know. And it's something they can grow. Like my faith is not where it was before. It has excelled and gone further, which then leads us to lesson nineteen. Wow, Steve is just ripping through. Lesson nineteen. He he, he gives us this bullet point. As the king goes, so the nation goes. As the character of men go, so the so the culture and the nation go. To seek the Lord and to work to please the Lord brings personal. And national peace. And so we're going to just drill down on this because this is where Steve was kind of honing in on fatherlessness and the need for our young men to be raised up, shown how to pursue their faith. You know, And as I, as I steal it from Bill Johnson, um, our ceiling needs to be our children's floor. Like, they need to start where we left it off in faith and in knowledge and in relationship with God. Good line. You know, yeah, it's not mine. I'm stealing. Yeah, I'm stealing, fine. baby. I'm stealing. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so it's like, you know, but in a, in a world right now, we're looking at a lot of fatherlessness, and men are to lead. Now, nothing against our women, nothing against their leadership roles, their, the, the, the activity, the function they do in the body of Christ, but men were made to lead. And if we're not raising our boys in leadership and in faith and teaching them the ways of faith, how will they know? So chime in because we were really talking about this a lot before the podcast started.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of boils down to what is a man first, right? Because we have a lot of – there is still a lot of father figures that have children that maybe in our definition wouldn't be considered a real man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think maybe defining man man, and I think you know you're probably the best person here to describe that well thank you there Luke Uh, (laughs) (laughs) wow you know my
1: name is Chris and so if you're like hey Chris you're like yeah not hey Jake yes um yeah like manhood I mean you know we're drilling down into that like through our, man, through our father um, community because like, basically at man camp, we say that a man is motivated, accountable, and noble, and we just kind of break down those three. But there is this new concept that Lauren has tipped me off to through a, another guy who is like, on fire for manhood and on fire for this passing down the right of passage of faith and belief to our sons, and his name is John Tyson. And he asked this question like, do you want you to raise your son? to be a good man, or do you want to raise a son who is good at being a man? Because the second one says that he has a clear definition of what a man is. The first one is he's just being good, and he's a man. Mm. And so, you know, so it's kind of honing in. Now, that's the question is like, you know, what is a man? And I mean, I think, you know, if we look at, you know, biblical definition, the best clear image we have, is Jesus Christ, and so you take his character traits, you take his persona, you take his relationship with the God, with God, and then you say, "This is what is a man."
4: Yeah, and I think it's very interesting to look at two the the men he chose to disciple, yes, and throughout the Bible, the men God chose, mm-hmm. they were all pretty wild, you could yeah. say, and I think there's there's a word meekness, um, and I think in the I, I just heard a TikTok video on this. I think in the Greek, it's prowess. Prowess is the translation. Mm-hmm. And it's meekness isn't uh, weak, or it's not like you know, like a mouse. It's more of a wild and untamed kind of mm-hmm. thing. And the Greeks would go in these mountains and they'd find these mustangs and they tame them. Yes, right. So it's this whole concept of God taking men that are capable of you know going after it. They've been hardened. They've gone through things. Yes, and using them and harnessing them, almost putting a bridle in their mouth. and yeah. letting them telling them like. Okay, control me where to go and I'll go there. Yeah. Because those are the only horses that will run into battle at thirty miles an hour. Yeah. Without, you know, some sort of fear. Um so I think that's really interesting. There's so many men, I think the church boy culture, if you know yes. like, just fall in line and, you know, do do what we tell you to do has mm-hmm. kind of been a big I think it's damaged yeah. things. Um so I think men of valor, like here, men that are capable Ugh. of Even violence, but having the Holy Spirit and control over that is kind of the key. So, I mean, I don't want to be talking here the whole time, but it seems like we have a pretty manly man right here.
1: (laughs) Jump in and maybe share
4: about that manly manless, you know, with our king.
3: I was blessed with genetics to grow beards. I don't know if that's the the first impression of (laughs) manliness, but I think we can all agree there's a lot more to to the definition that we're talking about. Um, But I love having a beard. Uh, Let's see. I I think that there is something about teaching the next generation – By example. Mm -hmm. And the next generation is going to learn by example, whether you're intentionally teaching them by example or not. Like a son is going to turn out acting like his father because he observes. And I think there's something inherent to how God made us. That's I I want to be like that, or at Mm -hmm. least that's what I ought to be like. That's what looks right. And so that could turn that could that could be a believer um raising a son and his son sees him uh following the lord and and wants to do that that could be someone who's godless and and the son is like this is just these are the values that our family has whatever whatever those values are um but i think that there's i think that there should be something more to training a man than just letting him watch you but never really sitting down and explaining the why behind what you're doing if we tie this back to the, the topic previously where like I mentioned the Lord and his goodness is refining out that middle option where you can either be like of the world of God or kind of halfway one foot in each yeah I, I think there are still lot, a lot of cultural believers who are uh, halfway in mm-hmm. the world halfway in, in Christ but I think it's it's no longer possible to go through their entire life in that middle ground yeah. I think at some point particularly you were, you were asking about the, the the Christian culture of the south of Texas of Baylor University and I think there's still a lot of people in that camp but I think that the the reality of the world is that they're going to, and I see this frequently, graduate and either either pursue the Lord in a Christian community or be in the workplace where they're mm-hmm. the only one who is even attempting to profess Christ yeah. and it no longer becomes worth it. Yeah. So I think, uh, tying this back to, to, to being a man and raising your sons to be men, speaking from zero experience here, yes. so I'll give that caveat. <laughs> but I, I think I will have some soon, yes. Um, I, I think that there's something about letting your, letting your son watch the way you pursue the Lord. But if you never sit down and explain, this is how I love the Lord. This is how I talk to the Lord. This is my history with the Lord. Then I think what your son sees is, is prescriptive is what does dad do? I want to do those things. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we have a generation that is raised to act right, to be good men, to, to your point, Chris, to go to church, to do the right thing, to tithe But I think Christ is so clear in the New Testament that Christianity is not about prescriptive actions, but about posture of the heart, about friendship with God. And so I think if if you grow up watching your dad or or your parents both do the right things as good believers, but you never get that dad invites the son to to go on a hike or to go sit by the water and fish and be like, this is who God is. Then I think the son only perceives I need to do things dad does. And that makes me a good Christian versus I want to know this person dad knows and dad talks about. And so I think that's where maybe passing on the mantle of manhood is being willing to be a strong man, be a strong leader, but be vulnerable. The meekness that you were just talking about. I think those conversations are really important to passing along manhood because kids are going to, kids are going to emulate their parents. But I think that just pure emulation isn't enough. I think you're going to lose something from one generation to the next yeah. if there aren't intentional conversations yeah. behind who God is. And this is what a man looks like. This is what a man is. Because otherwise you only get the prescriptive actions that yeah. are repeated. So my two cents.
0: Yeah, I would love to chime in. I think, Jeff, what you're describing to me feels a lot like what we were just talking about with bridling um, the wildness mm-hmm. of like that Mustang that we see up in the mountains. I love that picture of it too because I think it's such a good and healthy thing of the Holy Spirit to provide direction and a channel for wildness or wildness and fearlessness to yeah. flow through and it's not cutting that off but the meekness is actually providing a channel for it to be directed directed to and I think it's actually really empowering Um, To do that and Jeff those conversations that you're talking about having that discipleship and mentorship I think that is what provides the boundaries um, Of that channel for the wildness to flow through I think that's so important for young men to feel empowered Mm. in their wildness because Mm. I think it's a gift from God
4: Yeah, so I mean Chris you have a son Samuel. Yes, I do. I think I mean obviously he goes to public school Yes, he does and so a lot of you know people would argue especially that the homeschool their kids like who is who is raising your kids right because we send them off to these schools and they're being raised by the world essentially totally and so how do you obviously samuel seems like he's got some very solid foundations how do you go about that and how does you know i'm sure people are interested how does someone do that and how do you raise your kids Uh while sending them into that environment
1: well before i answer that question let's just have a show of hands even though our listeners can't see who went to public school all right, so we got, we got Lexa and Chris, who went to public school, and Jeff, Lauren, and Luke, who were all probably homeschooled or That's in right. a private Christian school.
2: Yeah, I was yep. the private Christian school private kid. Private Christian
1: school yeah. kid. Downstairs Academy downstairs academy so that means homeschool oh yeah wake up oh, oh yeah my pajamas on go downstairs <laughs> Just homework. go downstairs start homework okay so when i think about it it's like you know and, and there's lots of controversy on this i mean i listen far and wide and i mean it's like one of the books that i was listening to you know the guy was giving instructions on like you know how do we raise our children how do we do that and like he he's like i got four main points he's like point one if your kid's in public school get them out tomorrow point two If your kid's in public school, get them out tomorrow. (laughs) Point three, if your kid's in public school, get them out tomorrow. And point four was the same. And so he was really adamant about that. Now, so there are two sides of that. For us, I've always felt like, you know, like having my son in the school is profitable because he has an advanced movement into people's lives because he's going to be different. You know, and so, yeah, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of time. There's lots of check-ins. There's lots of discipleship. There is an intense amount of intentionality behind that, and so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you just let the school raise them and you're not speaking faith, if you're not moving into that, then you'll get nowhere. You, you are giving your child over to the culture, to the school. But if you're saying like, son, your job and your role is your boots on ground where there are many people who don't know Christ and they need to know Christ, your boots on the ground in a battle for other people who are being attacked by the enemy and they are left alone. You can be that person. And so, like, yeah, one of his good friends came to camp with us, and I just almost really, you know, started showing up at youth group and then has come to camp, and he's investigating and wanting to learn more about who Jesus is and what does the Henderson family believe. And, I mean, I really attributed that to Samuel's prayers for him and then Samuel, including me, into praying for him. You know, and then we can go all the way back to, you know, Samuel's in, you know, third grade and... Doesn't want to go to school anymore because we had a week of snow days. And every time I put him on the bus, he was crying. I have a rule. Don't put kids on the bus if they're crying. Who wants to start their day that way? And then finally, I was just so exasperated by the end of the week. I was like, God, what is the deal? And God says, said, Samuel needs a mission. He needs a bigger picture for school. And I was like, I was done. So I was just like, okay, oh, creative one, give me an idea. <laughs> and he was like, create mission cards. And so we did. And so I got like little business cards, created a logo. And then so it was called Samuel's Mission. And so Samuel every day got a new mission card in his lunchbox. And that mission could be to help a teacher, to find a friend who needs encouragement, to take everybody's trash from the lunch table, to do all of these kind of 3rd grade tasks, and then report to me at dinner that night how he did on his mission.
3: Pretty awesome. And that I think is making a man as small yeah. as that anecdote is. Yeah. I think that's the intentionality in Samuel's life specifically. That is not just him watching what you do, yeah. but it's you speaking into with partnership with the Lord. You got to yeah. ask, yeah, the creative yeah. one, ask Holy spirit, what, how you can disciple your son. Cause he's gonna be unique to every kid. I mean, yeah. the, the Lord might be like, Hey, this kid, can't handle public school yeah or this kid can go and be in an environment where he's not with people that are like-minded yeah but it's going to be a mission for him but i think that that makes a man when you partner yeah. with the lord to uh, for the lord's assignment and mission yeah. for his life
1: and so and so yeah and so we we've always looked at it that way like you know that's their first place that's their mission field um i was in a parent-teacher conference with ambler she was in eighth grade and she wanted to go trick-or-treating in the North 40. And so for those of y'all who know Aspen, North 40 is like a large complex of employee-owned single-family homes, but it's still employee housing. But it's like this perfect community. Like all the front doors enter into the neighborhood. The back doors are the alleys. And so it's like this communal thing. And that is where things go crazy for Halloween. Like it is party central, candy galore. And she wants to go, and so I'm like sitting there with one of her teachers after a parent-teacher conference because it was really close to Halloween, and this this man is a good friend. He, he's a he's a man who walks in faith too, and I was like, "Yo, she wants to go to the North And He was like, "Let her go." And I was like, "Are you serious, man?" I mean, it's like you know, it's like you know, you know, I've got like this big carnival at church on that night, so I I can't be there. And he's like, "Let her go." He's like, "We need more of her." Ambler's out there helping the other kids make good decisions. Yes, you know, yeah. and so yeah, so we let her go. That's cool, you know, and, and she it. came home with a lot of games, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so yeah, and so when we look at this concept, this is King Asa, and he is in this moving and grooving for the nation Israel, and you know, and as Steve put, this is at a time where the nation Israel has split and. Diverged into two different sub nations, and Asa is this king, and he is leading his people in the kingdom of God. He's leading his people to God. And this is kind of that highlight. Like when we look at lesson 19, we have to know that we have to be the voice of influence into our friends, our body, our church community, our children's lives to be the change for culture and to move things forward. And so then we get into lesson 20 lesson 20 now in this one um steve was just kind of like bringing in that you know asa has known this time of peace he's known this this prosperity in the nation no nations has risen up against him and with every problem with every consequence with everything that comes before him he turns to god and so here we go we've got this this is steve's bullet point Peace will never last in this world until Jesus returns and unites all things in heaven and earth together. Until then, we need to be watchful and ready for the testing of our faith, the strengthening of our faith, and the outworking of our faith to bring lasting peace of the gospel to human hearts. And so here here it is, like enemies show up and the king turns to God. And and he brings peace to his people. So what do y'all want to talk about on that?
4: I mean, I think the whole just concept of the there won't be that perfect peace Yeah, till he's back and this whole thing has been remodeled, essentially. Yeah, but totally. There's the concept of us bringing the kingdom down to earth now and I think mm-hmm. that is us bringing that peace as best as we can in the moment right now and I think that boils down to what our mission is yeah. essentially at the moment is to it's almost in a sense like summoning him or like preparing yeah. other people, you know, to, yeah. to get ready for the ultimate um, demolition. But I don't know it's just like turning, it's, it's always such a cool story when you see such a, like a nation that's so in the wrong yeah, that gets redeemed because of like one man's faith turning to God mm. and, and just pulling all those people back into it. They're always in his grace, but just yeah. like bestowing those blessings on them again. Yeah. And I, I wish, I mean, I hope it happens in this country. Yeah. Um. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah.
0: Silence.
1: Oh, we're all looking at Lauren. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lauren always has good things to say. That's why I'm looking at her. Uh as far as like Asa goes,
2: I was just thinking about how he was like the generational reset for Israel. Yes, like he absolutely. was the generational like curse breaker. Mm-hmm. Um but what was getting me was like halfway through his reign, like he obviously turns, like he stops listening to counsel. Yeah. And so like in our generation, like we have You know, like the twenty-year-olds, like choosing like something better, like choosing the worship movement. Uh But how do we keep them in the peace of God? Like, how do we keep them when they hit thirty to not just like turn away, like Asa did? Like, what's the bread and butter of this? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, totally.
4: I think a lot of it boils back down to humility, Mm -hmm. Mm as we see the fall of Solomon. Yes, see the fall of a lot of people, most people, and especially in the faith. Yeah, when they God gives them this power and these, you know, amazing. Things to say and people's lives are changed. Yeah, and it starts. I mean, obviously, the higher you go in that, the further you can fall. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so when you do fall, I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah, um, so it's just that constant checking of yourself of like, okay, am I being humble? Am I being, you know, it's so easy when you become a man of God. There's a lot of power there. Yeah, <laughs> in a sense, right? Yeah, and but a lot of that power is being able to be humble and not needing to look like you are the man like you're gonna crush people yeah a lot of the power is there but it's easy to it's easy to oversee that and it can definitely Satan harnesses that Mm -hmm. for his own good obviously but yeah
0: yeah I feel like a lot of that can come down to recognizing the the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our in ourselves. And so yeah. to Steve's point, peace will never last in the world until nope. the day of perfection comes. But we do have access to the peace that surpasses understanding and the peace that is not of this world yeah. inside of us because the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. And that's I think it's meant to be shared. And that's how we bring the kingdom near. Um I think I think to Lauren's question of how do we how do we make sure that our generation doesn't just move away from God, turn mm-hmm. away from God, I think so much of it is continually recognizing that it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the power and mm-hmm. gives us peace and yeah. gives us the strength even to give it away. Yeah. And I think that's where the humility is, is we're recognizing that it's not ourselves and that's actually of God. And there's nothing I can do to get yeah. this peace. I can't Conjure up faith. I can't conjure up peace, but I have faith because He is faithful and I have peace because the Prince of Peace lives inside of me through His Spirit. So
4: that's really cool. And it goes back to what Steve was saying a little bit too of like, are you trusting God or are you just trying to use gifts He's given you? Mm -hmm. And this goes into the whole physician like, who's your physician? Who do you put your faith and trust into no totally the situations which I think is an interesting topic, especially these days. Yeah. We're so in this Western culture we're so quick to be like, okay, I'm sick going to the doctor like Yeah. And I think what he's saying down there is definitely a lot of people that he's saying it to are people that go to the doctor right away. You yeah. Know, like <laughs> we're an Aspen. It's kind of like easy to access all that versus asking God yeah. first. So how does that look like and do we have any I guess real-world stories of that happening or those choices being made. I mean, you, you seem to be hurt a lot, so I'm just... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> i I'm, I'm hurt <laughs> because I'm old, dude. <laughs> okay. It's because
1: I'm old. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's exactly what Lexa is saying. It's like, you are we in touch with the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in a domination where the Holy Spirit was like, you know, the scary uncle in the basement, <laughs> you know, and we would let him out every now Barely and then. You really know yeah. him. You know, or, yeah, you just didn't even know him. You know, he was that uncle, and you're just like, hmm, huh? You know, and maybe he gives you money at times, you know, and you're like, oh, that's cool, and he's trying to buy your friendship. So, you know, it's like, you know, and then then he, then he goes away. But, I mean, it's like, you know, are we embracing everything that is God? I mean, it's the trade-up principle. You know, it's like, you know, God was with his people in the wilderness. His, he was with his people as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's in the temple. He's considered to be in the Ark of the Covenant, and they have curtains protecting everybody from him. You know, he's, he's in the mountain, and he's, like, scaring everybody, and only Moses will go up to then Jesus shows up. And so now Jesus is on the scene. And so it's like a trade-up. So now we've got this singular person of Jesus walking and living with us and teaching us who God is and how to have a relationship with God. Now Jesus says I must depart because the the, the Holy Spirit cannot come, you know, cannot come until I depart. And so then Jesus departs, but now we have the Holy Spirit embedded in each and every one of us living in community within our own personal spirit and soul. So it's like this trade-up principle. And, I mean, I grew up in we got Jesus. That's it. And we got the New Testament. That's all we need, you know. And so, you know, we never were trading up to like say, okay, what can we go for more? And so the Holy Spirit does lead us into that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as far as like physicians and doctors and how you handle that, it can become a very big questioning point of faith, you know, like, do you trust the doctor and the diagnosis from the doctor more than you trust what you're hearing from God? Well, the first question you got to ask yourself is, are you hearing from God? Because if you're not asking God any questions well then he's probably not having a chance to answer them go ahead mm-hmm. Jeff you
3: got no, I, I was chiming in with a yes yeah right. amen yeah.
1: you know like and so you know like is the communication line open I mean both Elaine and I my wife um, we were not raised in a healing culture we were not raised in a you know you know that type of interceding from God we were raised in deep faith and deep tradition and a deep foundation like god has to be the foundation you know and i mean i walked away from my family because god was their foundation you know And you know, i was like no i want the world you know and so you know i've still have that foundational put into me so that when i did come back and god said you can't leave me anymore and then it was there and i built off of that but as we started believing in and praying for healing oh my goodness you know our kids would play that game where one would run and fall down and pretend like they were hurt, and the other one would come and pray and look at them and be like better. And then it was the one who prayed's turn now to run and pretend to fall down and get hurt, so the other one could come and pray.
4: It's good training,
1: you know. And so yeah, and so it was. It was like this training, and it was just like so. I mean, yeah, like in our home, like we pray first, then we administer first aid. And I'm not saying like you know if you got like you know a cut artery, you don't apply a tourniquet. <laughs> You're going to use your common sense and wisdom. Sure. You know, so Jeff's like, no, God I gives us wisdom.
0: Yeah. Jeff's like, tourniquet never.
1: <laughs> no, you know, but, and so, yeah, but it is, it's like, it's a testing of faith and mm-hmm. it's something that is common. We all have the elements. We all have things. And so are you going to do, take the Tylenol or are you going to ask God to, for healing and just pray and then maybe go take a nap and see how it turns out. You know I mean it is, and so it is a way to stretch and apply faith. I remember Ambler Faith was dealing with some eczema on her face, and you know we we, we had no money, <laughs> and so we we weren't going to doctors, but we were just praying, you know, and then boom, you know we it kind of went away, and then we were at a hotel and the pool chlorine didn't cause the eczema to rise up. And I was just, like, blown away. I noticed it. I was like, oh, she's healed, you know. You know, we had prayed for so long and seen the eczema go, but we never went into that aha moment of, like, oh, my gosh, she's done it. And so one of the things I'm working on is just our testimony book. Like, what has God done in our family's life? What has he done in my life? What has he done in my wife's life, my wife's life, and then now our lives together so that we have this testimony book of just what has God done, because I think that really builds
3: faith. It mm-hmm. does, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I circle back to just before that story, yeah. we'll come back to that in a second. I think we have not because we ask not. I know that's yeah. a really, really, you know, revolutionary statement I just yeah. made. I think that was in red letters somewhere, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I know. Uh, I, I think, I think the do we seek medical attention and ask the Lord for healing, uh, and which one comes first is an important discussion. And then you're right, frequently we don't do both at all. We just yeah go for the medicine and medicine is not evil. It's not inherently yeah. bad at all. But I think we don't have, we don't have as many stories to put in that book that you're compiling. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I, speaking as a narrative of, of the modern church, because I think we fail to ask frequently, yeah. but I think were we to ask, we would have significantly more full banks of memories of God moving. Yeah. Or if we were recording them significantly more yeah. full memory books, That would grow faith and that would inspire us the next time be like, hey, there's, there's something going on. Ask the Lord, is it of him? Which is, which is Steve's point. Is it of God? And can you take it away? Or is it the enemy? You know, just the, 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 um, discernment and and partnering with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But I think we frequently just don't remember to do that because it's not a culture of doing that. You're you're right. I mean, I didn't grow up in a church either where that was super normal. So, um, but I think if we ask, we would see the Lord move significantly more frequently. Yeah. I it mean, yeah, that's, back to that's testing spot on. faith. Yeah.
4: What's like? that? It wraps back up to testing your faith.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is testing your faith. And I, I won't. Get on the skis. Yeah, like <laughs> get on the skis. But I mean, I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't coat it with icing and say, oh, yeah, just ask it and you get it. Sometimes you have to fight totally. for it. Yeah, no, I agree. You agreed, have to fight agreed, for agreed. it. Um, you know, because it's like every time we were faced with like, oh, this is the big problem, especially when it involved my children. Mm-hmm. You know, the thief would show up and be like, what if he doesn't? You're going to cripple their faith and then you just have to be like shut up i'm praying you know because i can remember like you know just hours upon hours losing sleep praying for my children who were just experiencing some horrible type of cough you know and just be like nah you know i'm just praying over them and i'm just praying against the cough and i'm praying for his healing and so yeah so there is it's like this great place of just testing your faith putting it down but really it's just opening a way for God to break through and for heaven to come in because he's looking for, you know, as Steve says, the eyes of the Lord. Well, Steve didn't say this. Second Chronicles sixteen <laughs> nine. Wow, Steve is so profitable. <laughs> yeah, we're ten minutes over time. Um Second Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to whose heart is blameless, whole toward him. I can honestly tell you that I I would say that my heart has never been whole toward God, and I am for sure only blameless because of Jesus Christ. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I would knock and knock and knock on that door, praying, not stopping, waiting for heaven to break through so that I could see a change.
4: You know, the wild horse waiting for yeah, the wild horse, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think it's so powerful too to bring in your community to pray with you. Yeah. And with, if you're like, oh, I'm trying to hear God on this issue, and I feel like it's fuzzy or I'm not hearing right away, that can be yeah. discouraging. But when we bring in people to, who also know and love God and they we trust that they hear his voice, yeah. it's so helpful to be encouraged by community and helpful to discern what is God really saying here. Yeah. And and this is what I'm hearing from God. Are you guys hearing the same thing? Yeah. But Yeah, I just think that's powerful too because we can pray individually, but uh, there's power when we unify as the body.
3: Yeah, I would say in addition to community, you also can bring in, as going circling way back to the, the discussion on godly leadership and yeah. fatherhood, you can bring in your family because you do have authority over your family if you're leading a family, mm-hmm. but you also are also brothers and sisters in Christ in, yeah. in, in, in a different sense. So I, I've got a, a good friend who grew up when she was two, three, four, and she, she knew who Holy Spirit was, her family yeah. would include her in the discussion on should yeah. we move, yeah. should we buy a new car, like any family decision, the kids had the Lord in them too because yeah. you can't say that jesus is lord but by the spirit so if they have holy spirit they can be part of that community that Lexa was just talking about too so you're praying for healing you bring your kids in too and you're like hey come here we're praying for your brother hey come here we're praying for your mom or come pray with me for for my healing um and you get to hear and you get to ask them what they're hearing from the lord as well i think that's a part of leading them into understanding what praying in community looks like
2: i was just gonna say like i grew up in a church that like did not believe in healing like kind of like ended like new testament the book of yes. acts wasn't you know we skipped over it like but if you need like the <laughs> biblical like truth it's like god promises when the holy spirit comes like we would see greater things than yes. we were in the new testament and it's like people are raised from the dead like yeah. we're promised the greater portion um and that's what like brought praying for healing alive for me is that i was like yeah. okay like it's promised in scripture i will see greater things so like yes. that was the like faith for me was like that and then like Jesus just loves being invited into things like absolutely I remember I was scared I had COVID like right before the start of my junior year yeah like I was feeling so sick and I was like God like please heal me from like if I have it and I had this like picture slash dream like Jesus came into my room and, like touched my head and said be healed yeah. and then like the next morning I woke up had to go get COVID tested and was like totally All clear and I had been with somebody who had COVID for like five days in a row yeah. so wow I for sure Yeah, that's amazing,
1: you know, but that's, that's yeah. exactly like, you know, what we're talking about. It's like just bringing it down, um, you know, and for me, and this is an encouragement for those who, you know, like to be a father isn't just because you have a son, but to be a father of faith, you know, to, you know, the people who are moving in that intimate relationship with God, like need to speak out to others. I had a good friend and Samuel was super sick. We were just freaking out, you know, and he got this horrible diagnosis. Is from the doctor. And so I sent a text out and, you know, and, you know, like, hey, y'all pray for Samuel. This is what we've heard. And we're really just like so heartbroken for him. And then, you know, one of those friends replied back, Are you home? I'm like, Yes, I'm home. I'm on my way. You know, and he just burst into the room, came into the house, and he said, Only you and me are going in there. And he knew he was about to educate me and teach me. And he did not want to, like, you know, hurt my wife's feeling because he just looked at me and he said, are you Samuel's father? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Is he Lord and Savior? Yes. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. You've prayed? Yes. Then why is your boy not healed? Wow. And so it was just like thrown in my face. Like, you know, was it my prayers? Was it my faith? Was it my belief? You know, and so I remember like – he just took the time to teach me how to pray, to to look to the promises of God, declare those over Samuel. And, you know, and then that night, Samuel was just like so bitterly upset and just so crying, couldn't sleep. His little nursery was a closet. Ambler's room is in that room, and she's still sleeping. And so I just prayed that night. I worshiped God that night. I just did everything over his crib. And I was exhausted, and so then I'm asleep, and then I finally wake up probably around 11 o'clock the next more afternoon, and then apparently Samuel had blown out like four diapers and four onesies, and I was like, that's the glory of God. He was so <laughs> constipated. That's why he was so uncomfortable, you know, and the doctors had failed to check that and miss that, and then my son was right as rain, wow. and so yeah.
4: And I think too, sometimes the answer is silence as well. Absolutely. Like we see Jesus on the cross, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We don't hear reply necessarily. So sometimes it is silence because I think partially a lot of times we're not ready for the answer. (laughs) Um, So that out there.
1: All right, so last comments, last things.
2: I was just thinking about like the father who's listening to this podcast. who has like no idea what to do, but we just (laughs) hit on like, you can't be a, you know, you need to be a man.
1: (laughs) You're going to give us some action points.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like let's get some action. Like, I mean. Like, so you may have something, but we're the women. But uh, So for the men and the fathers and the guys, like, what would your, like, practical be? To, like, the dad sitting there or just, like, the guy being like, how do I become a man of God? Yeah.
4: I think a lot of times we're, we don't pursue greatness mm-hmm. because I think a lot of Christians settle for the average. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to see men of God who are pursuing greatness in their, their own fields, which can even be, like, filmmaking. and can be... Yeah being the best athlete in something mm-hmm. and just pursuing that and inviting God into that. Yeah. You know, I think that is kind of the pursuit of manhood is being really good at something. It's yes. a big part of it. And so when you have that, I mean, just being really good at something, I mean, your kids are obviously going to look up to that. That's mm-hmm. going to kind of define you. But obviously if you kind of bring back and put all the glory on God, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um. So that, that's a big piece. And then, I mean, I'd say I'm still on the journey of becoming, you know, a man. Like, I don't know if I'll ever, i think I'll always be on that journey of becoming a better man. Yeah. Um, But just, yeah, I think humility is such a big thing that a lot of people that seem like they are men but lack humility, it really just kind of breaks down yeah. to just, yeah, you yeah. know, men that are strong physically,
3: but spiritually they break down pretty fast, yeah. if that's
4: the case, but.
3: Yeah, I'm with Luke on do what you do excellently. Do whatever you do as you're working for the Lord, not for men. Yeah. Um, and give the Lord the glory, which I think goes in conjunction and in tandem with what you were saying about humility. Because, yeah, yeah pride is you taking credit for whatever the gift is the Lord gave you. The other one that I would think of is, as you lead, and yeah, Lauren, your point for whatever fathers are listening to this, I have no credibility to speak to this. And I think praying for your children, fantastic, should be done. But I think there's the, there's even another level in discipleship to raise your sons and daughters to pray with your kids mm-hmm. to pray for them. Yes. But to teach them what it looks like to contend in, in faith, whether it's for healing, whether mm-hmm. it's for whatever. Um, but I think pr- teaching them to pray gives them that insight. Like I was talking about 30 minutes ago on what did it look like for you to have history with God rather than, yeah. than just emulating your actions. You go to church, but like, Oh, I've, I've seen how dad spends time with God and asks God and listens to God on mm-hmm. whatever the topic is that, that we're praying through. So I think praying with your kids is, is a really big, part of leading them yeah that's great yeah
1: no and i mean i would just land it with you know just intentionality like i have taken it on as it is my job it is my purpose it is my function it is my highest glory to raise my children in the lord and then to take every opportunity that i can and every opportunity that i'm given to be really intentional in checking in intentional in discipleship intentional in be creative in programs and and you know Actions with them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I have lived my life to not raise a PKA kid, pastor's kid, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I've always made it real clear. um, Whatever you do, my job is not dependent on it. So, if you want to go sideways, go sideways. We'll deal with that. But you can't get me fired. So, don't say you love God just because your dad gets his paycheck there. You know. That's so intentionality. And this is going to be my big shout out, like intentional father. By John Tyson. Go find it. Book or a podcast? A book. Book. Okay. John
2: Tyson it. is incredible. Yeah. I wrote so many papers from, like, using his resources yeah. in college about fatherhood yeah. and family setups.
1: Yeah, it's my new book. It's my new pedestal, and we're going to be building a lot from that here at Crossroads. But it's so incredible. So, yes, fathers, if you have questions, hey, we've got an email. It's called at com. Email us. I mean, I got time. Everybody says I'm busy. I got time i got time but let's sit down let's talk because coming up with a plan for the next generation is pivotal as you live your life for christ and it will cause you to grow it will cause you to challenge and it will teach you how to fight your faith fight for your faith so you can pass that skill on to others hope this midweek jolt jolted you into some thought and some process thanks so much for tuning in and a big shout out to all of my new friends from texas
0: People up there they get me nervous